echo the words of the song, uh, Jesus Christ, no sweeter name, the only hope to the hopeless and broken. And uh, that's where my hope is found, it's in Jesus Christ, in the sweet name of Jesus, Jesus Christ. Uh, <clears throat> just want to share with you this morning for... Um, uh, I'm not going to be long this morning. Of course, I never am, so I don't need to make that announcement anymore, I guess. But uh, anyway, uh, I just wanted to, uh, uh, I don't think I've said it, I guess, in any official capacity or anything like that, but uh, one week from tomorrow will be my last day at work. I am retiring uh, after... Uh, <laughs> thank you. Uh, 38 years um, with... Uh, in the airline industry, that's uh, with two airlines, TWA slash American Airlines. And so I'm very thankful for that. God has really been good to me. Uh, that's just been such a, a blessing to me and my family over the years uh, to work in the aviation industry and uh, just to follow a dream, really. Um, I, I tell everybody, not everybody, but <laughs> I've shared with some people that uh, uh, just as a kid, I would, uh, we, had, uh, we had this uh, old set of encyclopedias, you know, and a lot of, a lot of people don't know about encyclopedias anymore. We don't, we don't have them anymore, you know, the, the 36 volumes or whatever. I even remember when the guy came and sold them to mom and dad and everything, and he sat and I said, oh, yeah, 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 we're going to get encyclopedias. I was excited. And, uh, you know, and, of course, I pulled down the A, and, of course, I go to airplane. It was just this little picture, this little bitty inset of, uh, of an airplane uh, cockpit or flight deck. And that was just amazing to me. And I, I looked at that picture over and over and over again, you know, and I'd read about airplanes. And of course, it doesn't say much about airplanes, but whatever it said, I'd, I'd read about it. And uh, I was just so excited. And uh, it was just, it's always just been something that really fascinated me. And even after 38 years with the airline and even 40 years in the industry, uh, I am yet still fascinated by the fact that uh, God has allowed us to, uh, <laughs> to leave the planet and to, uh, and to uh, soar with the birds and things like that. And so uh, I thank God for that. It's really been a blessing. You all have been a blessing through that. It's actually been uh, September 30th, uh, which is my official retirement date, uh, is exactly 10 years uh, from the first day that I came and started working here in, uh, in Texas. And so that's also kind of a milestone. And so it's just really kind of uh, uh, really exciting to me. And so uh, I just want to thank you all for, for being with me and my family through that journey and through that time here. And uh, really just thank God for all that he's done for me in that area. Let's go to God in prayer for just a moment. Father God, we really want to thank you, God, as we come to this time of uh, teaching, Father, from your word, dear God. I am sir, uh, certainly not sufficient, Father, to, to speak on your behalf, dear God, and to express the things that, that, uh, that probably need to be expressed, dear God, in this area, but just really want to pray, God, for an extra measure of your spirit this morning, dear Lord, to, to move through these words and through these thoughts, dear God, that I've put together. Uh, may it uplift our church family. May it uh, uh, glorify you and honor you, Father, in, 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 in any way that it can, Father. And we just are really thankful. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. 
<clears throat> as you uh, <clears throat> probably as you maybe walk through the foyer uh, this morning or maybe here in the past couple of weeks, maybe you've seen it uh, in the church newsletter or maybe even on the screen as we kind of scroll through the announcements here, uh, you've seen uh, uh, this advertisement of our current sermon series, and it says uh, who we are and where we're going. And I don't really know who came up with that, but I really, uh, I kind of like it. Uh, it's because uh, in this series of lessons over the next few weeks, we really hope to make it clear or help it make it more clear uh, to every member of our church family and perhaps even every potential member of our church family uh, what we believe that life in the kingdom of Jesus Christ uh, should look like and, and how we will collectively, as a body of disciples, a body of believers here at the Irving Church, how we're going to participate together in that kingdom life. Uh, we want to uh, enter into a, a, a deeper and more meaningful discipleship, uh, a deeper following of Jesus Christ. And Luke talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we want to be a church that is uh, diverse, that, that uh, really embodies diversity, that welcomes and uh, values uh, all cultures and nations and, and languages and things of that nature. Those are just a couple of the things that we've talked about thus far that we as a church uh, want to be about. Now, I want us to understand that everything that we talk about in this series of lessons, uh, it may not be in place here at Irving right now. Uh, some things, very simply, are going to take some time and some planning to develop. But there are things that we would like to see become a part of our identity, part of our DNA as a church family. And so we certainly hope and pray that uh, as we teach on these things and as we go through these lessons and as we go through our emotionally healthy discipleship class, that we can become more the people that Jesus Christ would have us to be, the Christ followers that he would have us to be. So in line with that, this morning I'm going to be talking about global missions, or some people might call it foreign missions. And you might be asking or you might be thinking to yourself, well, what is that? You know, what's that all about? Well, basically, I think that this means that uh, we uh, want to be a church that participates in the preaching of the gospel uh, in other parts of the world. Uh, that's a very simple definition. You remember after his resurrection, Jesus issued a great commission to his disciples saying, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to all of creation. And very simply put, we want to become a church that in some way participates in that great commission of going into all the world and preaching the gospel, sharing the gospel with Jesus Christ, of Jesus Christ. But I believe that global missions involves more than just simply preaching of the gospel. Now, uh, I don't want to uh, uh, demean that anyway because that's an awesome mission in and of itself to carry the message of Jesus Christ and the message of the cross to people all, uh, around the world. But I believe that there's more to global missions than that. Yeah, global missions is participating in the spread of the gospel in other countries, but it's also assisting believers in other countries in times of their distress or need. Uh, it's uh, establishing relationship 
with churches and believers in other countries. And very simply also is sharing the love of God with all people in other parts of the world. So I believe that there's this four-pronged approach to uh, global missions. And I want to speak briefly to each one of these areas. I want to share a few passages of Scripture, and then, of course, I'll bring it to a close. I want to begin this morning by focusing our attention to Acts chapter 13. In Acts chapter 13, beginning in verse 1, the Bible says, Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and they sent them off. I want us to notice in these passages here that it was the church at Antioch working under the influence and under the direction and guidance of the Holy Spirit, uh, they commissioned Paul and Barnabas to go out into the Roman Empire and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, it's important that we understand that they weren't sent out on a, a local mission. They weren't sent out to go into their neighborhood or even to stay in Antioch preaching and teaching the gospel, but they were sent out to fulfill the commission of Jesus to proclaim the gospel to all the world. Now, I believe it's important for us to note that these men, uh, these prophets and these teachers at the church at Antioch, that they were worshiping and fasting when they received direction from the Holy Spirit. And I don't, I want, us, don't want us to miss that because when we start talking about global missions and we start talking about any mission as a church family, then I believe that we need to be led by it. And we need to be listening for the voice of the Spirit of God when we go into that. Uh, I think that what Luke said was important, that we're not just after just programs and we're not after just gatherings and social events and things of that nature, but we want to be a family that is genuinely guided by the direction and influence of the Spirit of Almighty God working within us as we set out on our various missions in fulfilling the, uh, the, 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 the great commission of Jesus Christ. Now, someone might wonder, uh, you know, who do we have here that's going to go out into Russia or going to go to China or Africa and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ? Well, uh, the answer very simply is, you know, we don't know who the Lord might send on our behalf to do that. You know, there might be one young person, a young man or woman among us sitting in this church body right now who the Lord might call into a, a mission of global, global missions of going out into the world and preaching the gospel. Beloved, we have to be listening for the voice of the Spirit. We have to be influenced by the Spirit of Jesus Christ when we start talking about this uh, this uh, aspect of global missions. If we are in prayer and following the leading of the Spirit, like we read about the church at Antioch, it's certainly possible that the word of the Lord might go forth from this church to a place, to a country that's starving for the light of Jesus Christ. Once again, it's important that we are listening to the voice of the Spirit. Well, then, of course, there's always the possibility that we might uh, aid and support and share in the efforts of someone not a member of our church family who is fulfilling a global mission 
of preaching Jesus in a foreign land or in a foreign country somewhere. You know, we don't have to reinvent the wheel or we don't have to come up with some new program uh, when we start talking about preaching or organizing. Uh, we can partner with other churches, other organizations in the preaching of the gospel in a foreign land. You know, I think about uh, the church at Philippi. You know, in uh, uh, Philippians, the first chapter, verses 3 through 5, as Paul opened this letter to the church there, Paul said, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy, he said, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. You know, Paul spoke very fondly of the Philippian church. And it's evident from this letter, as you go through and you read the letter to the church at Philippi, that this church was especially dear to the Apostle Paul. Paul considered the Philippians as his partners in the preaching of the gospel. Because even after leaving Philippi, even after he had established that church family there, they helped in his efforts by sending him support again and again. You know, notice in chapter 4, verses 15 and 16, Paul says, And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. We're talking about global missions here. We're talking about a church, the church at Philippi, sending aid and support to the Apostle Paul as he preached the gospel throughout the Roman Empire, especially in the rest of Macedonia. And you know, that can be us. You know, it's not a situation where we always have to think about, well, who are we going to send? It may just be a situation that we enter into partnership with another preacher, another church, another organization that's already uh, involved in a global mission and taking the gospel of Jesus Christ to other parts of the world. We can become partners in that work. When we help and we support those who are already on the front line in the work of preaching the good news, we become partners in that work. We enter into their labors, and in effect, we are helping fulfill the great commission of Jesus Christ and taking the gospel into all the world. But also, as I mentioned this morning, global missions is not just uh, preaching the gospel. But it's also coming alongside our brothers and our sisters in other countries that are in distress. You know, it was a couple of weeks ago during our elders meeting that we kind of got into a discussion about the Nicene Creed. And, you know, very simply, the Nicene Creed was a, a, a basic statement of Christian beliefs uh, that dates back to the fourth century. And, uh, you know, in that creed, uh, it says that we believe in the Catholic Church. And very simply, it's not the Catholic Church maybe as we know it, but basically the word Catholic simply means universal. And those early Christians, they believed that the church indeed was a universal family, a universal organization, a universal body of believers. And, you know, if we believe that we're a part of something that's universal, then there are Christians on the other side of the planet that are members of our family, that they are part of us, that we have a relationship with that's really somewhat unspoken, if you will. And 
and, and we ought to have a certain amount of, of, of empathy for those believers, those brothers and sisters in Christ on the other side of the planet when they're suffering and when they're hurting. I understand that, you know, we can't help every situation. But I believe that we as a church, we can empathize and we can have compassion and we can be in prayer for those Christians, those believers. We certainly can't have a cavalier attitude about what's going on with churches and believers, Christians in other countries and other parts of the world. The Apostle Paul said that when one member suffers, we all suffer. And when one rejoices, we all rejoice. And I think probably in, in, in its context, Paul was really talking about probably more of a local church, but he really never really said that. I think that when believers are suffering, Christians are suffering and going through things, even on the other part of the world, we need to suffer with them. We need to suffer with them. Now I want to look at uh, <clears throat> 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9 just a little bit. I just want to read a couple of passages there. You know, when we want to preach about giving, I think these are the, the passages that we often go to. I think these are the, the giving chapters. I've not heard very many preachers preach about giving and, and collecting, and they didn't go to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9. We, we like to quote, God loves a cheerful giver in chapter 9 and verse 7, and certainly I don't want to uh, belittle giving because giving is certainly a, a, a huge part of global missions, and there is no global missions uh, except that we give, give generously, and, and give cheerfully, as the Apostle Paul said here. But I really think that uh, at its very core, these chapters are uh, an expression of what global missions is all about. Because what you have here is Paul appealing to these Gentile churches, these churches that are uh, in Corinth especially, but also in Philippi and Thessalonica and Berea and, and other places in that region. He's appealing to these brothers and sisters to send financial aid to the churches in Jerusalem. Uh, those churches, they, they were in need. There was a, a lack there and there was a, a need there. And the church in Jerusalem was predominantly a Jewish church. So Paul is appealing to these Gentile brethren to send aid and support and help to their Jewish brethren in Jerusalem. And it wasn't just a financial appeal, but Paul wanted these churches to send representatives along with their gifts, along with their money. And, you know, there was a twofold purpose for that. Because on the one hand, Paul said, you know, we don't want anybody to blame us regarding this money. In other words, we don't want anybody to say that uh, we didn't administer these funds properly. We don't want anybody to say that we were dipping in the funds that were given, that were collected for uh, these poor saints in Jerusalem. So that was one reason. So they said, okay, you send one of your representatives along with your gifts. But the other thing was, I believe that Paul was really trying to build relationships and build bridges so that, you know, there was a face along with their gifts, along with their money. In other words, don't just send money, but come with us so that the Jerusalem church could put faces with the aid. And Paul is really wanting to build bridges of goodwill between Jew and Gentile here. He wants to build relationships 
with Christians living in vastly different parts of the world. And so when you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9, notice at the end in chapter 9, verses 12 through verse 15, Paul speaks of the impact that this financial aid would have. He says, for the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgiving to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. You know, I think that this is a, just a beautiful passage of Scripture here because Paul says that this ministry, this gift of the Gentile Christians to their Jewish brethren, he says that it's going to do several things. First of all, he says it's going to supply the needs of the saints. And so as its very foundation, by their sending this financial aid, he says it's going to supply need. It's going to supply a need. Where they were hungry, they're no longer going to be hungry. Where they were suffering, they're no longer going to be suffering. So it's going to supply a need. He says also that it's going to produce an overflow of thanksgiving to God. An overflow of thanksgiving to God. He says that it's going to, they're going to glorify God because of your generosity. When God is glorified, when God is magnified, when God is lifted up, Beloved, that's a beautiful thing. But then in verse 14, he says, also, they're going to long for you, and they're going to pray for you. When I was thinking about this passage, I was thinking about, I've got a, my, my youngest sister, she, she lives in Atlanta. Uh, her name's Sherry. She's visited here a few times, and some of y'all might remember her, but Sherry's really good about uh, you know, remembering birthdays and things like that. And I know that every, uh, uh, in my birthday every year, she'll send me a card and it'll be just a beautiful card. And it'll, and the card usually says something like the greatest brother in the world or something like that. So it's, <laughs> it's over the top. <laughs> and she'll usually put just like a little $10 gift card in there. It'll be from Applebee's or uh, some other place, something like that. And, and when I open those cards up and I, I'll just think about Sherry and, and it just makes me long for her. It makes me wish it, that I could be right there with her and see her face. And I think that that's kind of what, what happens here, what Paul is talking about here. Because when they received those gifts, when those, those Jewish brethren in Jerusalem, when they received your gifts, when they received that aid and that support, there's going to be a relationship that, that crosses oceans and crosses continents. They're going to long for you. They're going to pray for you, he says. They're going to thank God. They're going to be worshiping and glorifying God because of what you've done. Wouldn't it be special if we helped a church way down in South America somewhere that was ravaged by an earthquake? What would it be like to help Christian families in Haiti 
that were trying to recover from hurricane damage. How wonderful would it be to send aid to a church in Africa where food supplies were diminished by drought. In any, any of these cases, those brothers and sisters, they would just overflow with thanksgiving and praise to God, giving God glory, magnifying his name because somebody on the other side of the planet cares about them. And even further, what if there became relationships of love? Maybe we begin to write them and they begin to write us and by the grace of God, we build a bridge that stretches oceans and continents and reaches our brothers and sisters in Christ. That's what Global Missions is. And we want to be a church that's involved in that, that participates in that. Finally, Global Missions is about sharing the love of God and in other countries with, with all people on the other side of the world. And what I mean by this is that a global mission doesn't necessarily involve other churches or Christians in distant lands, but it could be just helping people, believers or not, where there's a need. And we do that because, beloved, that's who we are. We are people that, that do good. Is one of the things that characterizes the, the children of God. We do good towards others because that's what our Heavenly Father does. He is good, and he does good to his creation. I believe that in a time of unsurpassed self-centeredness and division and the building of walls, we as disciples of Jesus Christ, we should care about others that have experienced life storms. We care about children that are all for orphaned or don't have anything to eat. We should care when there's no clean water supply. We should care because God cares. Whether Christian, whether Muslim, Hindu, atheist, or whatever the case may be, God loves all of his creation, and we should love them as well. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 and 10, Paul says, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, he said, especially to those who are of the household of faith. But can't Paul put in there, do good to everyone. 2 Thessalonians 3, 13, As for you, brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. In Ephesians 2 and verse 10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Beloved, when we think about Jesus Christ, our example, our forerunner, our Lord, our Savior, when we think about Jesus, we often see people that would follow him because he had compassion on them. He would often meet their needs physically and spiritually, whatever it was, whether it was healing or whether it was something that they needed to eat or whatever the case was, or just lifting them up. That's what Jesus Christ did. He had compassion to them, and they were receptive to the gospel because he had compassion. And once again, I know that it's not realistic for us as a church to get involved in everything that's happening in every country 
And it's not about us making a big splash somewhere. That's not what it's about at all. But it's simply about caring and walking in love just as God has loved us. That's what it's about. That's Global Missions. In conclusion this morning, who are we as a church and where are we going? Among other things, we want to be a church that believes in and participates in global missions, preaching the gospel in all the world, supplying the needs of believers in other countries, building relationships across the globe, and doing good towards others in other countries. Now, in keeping with our desire to be a church of global missions, this past week, the elders made a decision to partner with Shivraj and Anita Mahindra as they prepared to take the gospel to their home country of India. Shivraj and Anita have been to our church a few times now, and many of us have got to know them and come to love them. And, and we believe that we can trust Shivraj, Shivraj and uh, Anita to to be a couple that impacts their home country for good with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we don't want to just support them financially, but we want to support them in our prayers. Let's genuinely partner with them in this effort. We're not saying this is the only thing that we're going to do, but this is a start. This is a start because we want to be a church that participates in global missions. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, truly you're good. You're good to your children. You're good to your creation, Father, and we love you for that. Heavenly Father, we just pray, dear God, for our church family. Father, as we move towards deeper and richer and fuller discipleship in our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray that global missions will just be one priority for us, dear God. Help us, dear God, and in every way, dear God, that we strive to be a church that is truly following in the pathways of Jesus Christ. Father, we pray for Shivraj and Anita and their God as they travel back to India, dear Lord, and, and strive to proclaim the gospel there, dear Lord. We know, dear God, that there's going to be uh, difficulties and pitfalls along the way, but we just pray for them that you would protect them, dear God, that you would bless their efforts, Father. Fill them with your spirit, dear Lord. And we pray, God, that you would bless them in their efforts, Father. Thank you, God. It's in Jesus Christ's name that we pray. Amen. We're going to have the uh, praise team come back up and uh, sing another selection. After that, we're going to be led into the uh, communion service. <laughs>